As we continue our series in the book of Proverbs, we are reminded that Proverbs is a book about wisdom. So as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 1, as we will be considering verses 20 through 33, we might ask the question, what is wisdom? What defines wisdom? Uh, The theologian Gordon Fee defines it this way. Wisdom is the ability to make godly decisions in life. The ability to make godly decisions or choices in life. Uh, Others have defined it as skill uh, in the art of godly living. It's really the ability to have a kind of spiritual street smarts where we are taking our understanding of the scriptures and applying them into the practicalities of our lives. As we consider these definitions, as well as the opening verses of Proverbs that we have considered thus far, there's at least two important components that make up wisdom. One is understanding. We saw this in the preamble of the opening seven verses where the whole purpose of the book is put forth. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to increase in learning, to understand a proverb. There's a component then in wisdom of understanding and comprehension. That's why we hear the scriptures and we read and we study the scriptures. But then there is another component, which is the component in which uh, the rubber really meets the road. It's where skill, ability, a desire in the heart surfaces. The desire to apply that understanding into the reality of life. And it's because of that dual component, understanding on the one hand and application on the other, knowing and practicing, hearing and doing, that gives Proverbs as a book really an element of danger. It's something that's really pressed in the, in the text this morning, this element of danger. And the danger essentially comes when one hears and understands godliness but whose heart may be indifferent in actually becoming godly as a person. And so Proverbs is dangerous in this way. It's kind of like a knife, a very sharp knife. It's something very practical. It's very useful. If you're a chef or a homemaker or you're preparing dinner, it's something we might even say is a necessity. But it is potentially dangerous. And that danger comes when a person becomes complacent or careless or distracted or inattentive. Then it can cut. It can cut deeply. Uh, This danger, I think, is captured well in Ray Ortland's words. He says, we don't have to tell ourselves, I hate wisdom, to miss out on it. We only have to be okay with staying the way that we are. Unchanged, unaffected, unaltered. So as we hear the text uh, from Proverbs 1, a central message is that God's word, God's wisdom is not to be merely informational. It is to be transformational. That is the purpose for which we read and we hear the word of God. So let's hear his word now. Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. 
She says, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? Fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen. I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge. They did not choose to fear the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure. He will be at ease without dread of disaster. Sobering words. One author entitled this whole passage as, quote, the dangers of being a professional sermon listener. My title is similar, The Dangers of Being a Spectator. I may have mentioned this before, but uh, the first day of my seminary experience, the dean of the students stood before us and essentially said, you are in a dangerous place. We have a few seminary students here. I don't know if that was your experience. He went on to say, because over the next three or so years, you're going to hear over 3,500 Hours of lectures on biblical theological truths. In addition, between your home church and chapel services, you're going to hear hundreds of sermons. You're going to consume many pages and books of wonderful theological, uh, God-centered works. He said, this is a great blessing. This is a means of grace for your growth in Christ and sanctification. But it is dangerous because it can be not only possible, but tempting to listen to words about godliness with little to no intention of actually applying those very words to life. Well, that was a warm welcome to seminary life, but a necessary one, and that danger is real for all of us. It's really the danger, as the Apostle James said, of being hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. And by doers, James does not merely mean outward works of service, though he certainly includes that. But it's deeper than that. Uh, Remember in Matthew 7 where Jesus said on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Uh, So the doing begins inside in the inner man, in the heart of a person. Recall the Apostle Paul's words when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 where he was expressing thanks for this congregation, how God's word was taking deep root in their lives. And he said that they received the word, not as man's word, but God's word, which is at work in you believers. 
This is a living word that is working inside a person and must be working for the life of sanctification to go forth. That's the work that God desires to do in us as we hear and as we study and as we read and as we contemplate the things of God's truth. Well, the first thing we see here in Proverbs 1 of this text is that the word of God's wisdom is proclaimed to all. The word goes forth, and it goes forth loudly. Verse 20. Wisdom, the word of wisdom, cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she's crying out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Remember, we saw earlier in the chapter a picture of these godly parents Mother and father giving wisdom and instruction to their son, their child, preparing them to enter into the world. Now these godly parents are doing what? They're pointing to wisdom herself. Now listen to wisdom. The wisdom of God becomes personified here as a woman in the book. Lady Wisdom. But I think we can say Lady Wisdom is no typical woman. Certainly not in the culture in which she speaks. Women were not given the same standing or voice as men. Yet here she is, speaking forth, really at the crossroads of culture and society. And she is not just speaking. She's crying out for people to hear. Where is she speaking? In the streets, in the markets, at the head of the noisy streets, at the city gates. She is at the crossroads of society where business and government and arts and entertainment, sports, education, all these things are intersecting. And she's speaking a bold message. It's a warning. She's admonishing, even scolding those who will refuse to listen. She may not seem all that ladylike, but her message is critical. Why does the word go to the streets? in the markets, in the city gates. That's where people are. That's where people live. The word of God, the wisdom of God moves outside the temple and the tabernacle and the synagogue and the sanctuary. It has something to say at the street level where people are living their lives. And as the word goes out to all, we're reminded of our Lord Jesus' words. In John 7, where we read on that last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, it says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus cries out that people would hear. Lady Wisdom is crying out, raising her voice. Why is she loud? Why is she raising her voice? Is it not to get people's attention? People are easily distracted. We would think how if this word and this wisdom is so wonderful, people would just naturally attach to it. But that's not the case. That's not human nature. People are easily distracted. I'll mention two potential distractions. They come immediately to mind. In thinking about this, one is busyness in life. Life is just too full. Uh, The demands are too 
many in our lives. My attention is elsewhere. Other things have my interest in my heart. And we should beware of the pace of life that we may be trying to keep up with. The other distraction may be even more concerning, and that is the other voices that are vying for our attention. That's a theme through Proverbs. How can I effectively hear and apply and give attention to this voice when I have so many other voices coming at me? When I live in this information age, constantly bombarded by information, an age defined by innumerable voices seeking my attention. The Christian author Don Whitney said, I'm told that due to the information explosion, which doubles the total sum of human knowledge every few years, we've now reached a point where the average weekday edition of the New York Times contains more information than Jonathan Edwards would have encountered in his entire 18th century lifetime. Kind of scary. Open a Paper, you've got politics, international news, opinions, economics, sports, technology, business. Much information. And we have before us books, media, podcasts, radio. So many voices seeking our attention. And you know, those voices may not be bad. Many of those voices may be speaking forth facts. But they may be drowning out the one, the only voice that is able to give true spiritual life in Christ. Peace, joy, abundant life, life in Christ. So Lady Wisdom says in verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, if you will hear and you will turn, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. What a promise. That word turn is one of the most important words in Scripture for capturing repentance. If we would repent, if we would have a turning to the Lord, if we would heed, and not only hear, but heed this word. Spirit will be poured out to us. Lady Wisdom raises her voice to get our attention. And then we see... Secondly, a danger that comes in hearing this word and this wisdom. The danger comes when one either refuses to listen to it altogether, as in the case of verse 22, those identified as scoffers and fools. But there's another danger that comes. When one is simply intent in the mere acquisition of truth without the transformation of life. For example, one may know full well the content and the meaning of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And yet that same person possibly fail to ever recognize any of the potential gods or idols in their own life. That would be an absence of wisdom. That is dangerous. That is hearing without applying, hearing without doing. One hears, one may understand much of that text and that word, but they're not appropriating that. They're not applying that word down at the level 
of the heart. And that's where wisdom wants to go. As we'll see in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart. In chapter 4, we hear as well, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep hold of my word. Don't let it go. Guard her. She is your life. It's like that seed that fell upon the path in the parable of the sower as the farmer spread the word of the gospel and it fell in many places, including upon that path. It didn't, it didn't get into good soil and take root. These are the simple ones in verse 22. You can uh, translate the simple ones as the gullible. Someone actually translated it really the first airheads. I, I Kind of silly. The gullible, they're undisciplined, they're untrained, uh, they're easily persuaded. We might say they're satisfied with a kind of watered-down Christianity. They hear Lady Wisdom, they hear the Word, perhaps they read the Word, but it's not sinking in. You might imagine a, a bag of tea immersed into hot water, but only for a second, only for a second or two, and then removed. How strong How uh, tasteful is that tea going to be? Very weak. Nearly tasteless. There can be a temptation in listening to sermons, reading the scriptures, listening to Christian podcasts, to hear, to analyze, and yet be unaffected in our hearts. And so wisdom is calling here for a, a repentance in verse 23. If you'll turn at my reproof, I'll pour out my spirit to you. It's really a call to repent at the idol of ever learning and ever hearing, but never applying, never appropriating, neglecting the obedience that leads to sanctification and growth in Jesus Christ. Let's not misunderstand wisdom's voice. She's not calling people to justify themselves by their own obedience. She's calling people to open their ears and hearts so that this all-wise God might enter in to do his justifying and sanctifying work. Will we hear? Will we heed? How long, she says, how long? There's this element of time. We see very clearly through this that while wisdom's patience is long, it is not unlimited And the clear reason for not continuing to delay a response, a response to hear and apply, a a response to come to Jesus Christ with sincerity of heart to obey the word, is what we read in verses 24 and following. She says, Because I, wisdom, have called, and you refused to listen. I've stretched out my hand. No one has heeded. Therefore, when calamity and terror strikes, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Uh, The the laughing that is mentioned is not a a, a giggly kind of laugh. It's an astonishment that, that the word is held out and people are refusing it. These sobering words are Really, wisdom's wake-up call to the soul that has become sloppy, complacent, indifferent. 
I have called and you refuse to listen. She reminds us of the many attempts she's made to get people's attention. Wisdom is speaking. It's the whole of the word of God that's speaking. It's it's the the words of Christ speaking to us. And, And people's response? Refusal to listen. No thank you. I am busy with other things. I have other interests. I have other responsibilities. I am busy raising my children. I'm busy with my work. I'm busy preparing a sermon. I I don't have space or time to hear and to heed. And wisdom is going to great lengths. She's gesturing. She says, I stretched out my hand. No one has heeded. Once again, she does something quite Unladylike, she is gesturing, reaching out. She's trying to take hold of people, saying, don't miss this opportunity to be sanctified, to know the grace of God. It's alarming that if one turns their back on wisdom, wisdom will turn her back on them. That is, a time will come, a line is drawn We don't know when that time is. We don't know exactly where that line is drawn. But when crossed, there will be no coming back. Verse 28. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Bruce Waltke says the gullible didn't respond to her in the time of salvation. She will not respond to them at the time of their judgment. So we read in verse 31, they'll eat the fruit of their own way. They'll have their fill of their own devices. This is not just the language of of Lady Wisdom. This is the language of the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 5, that you reap what you sow. This is the language of, of our Lord and Savior in Matthew 7. Whoever hears my words and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell The floods came, the winds blew, the house fell, and great was the fall. And here we have calamity hitting, terror strikes, the whirlwind comes, distress and anguish. And because I wasn't hearing, I wasn't heeding God's wisdom and sanctification in and through my life, I spurned the grace and wisdom of Christ, that time comes when I truly, deeply need his presence, his ministry, his wisdom, and it will not be there. I wasn't heeding it before, and calamity hits. I don't know where to look. I don't know what to do. I'm grasping, I'm panicking. One of my preaching professors, Steve Brown, used to say, most people die the way they lived. I think that's likely true. If I'm not interested in the wisdom and the sanctification of God in my life now, I probably won't be interested in it later. When the waves and the storms come, when death itself come knocking. It makes sense at the beginning of a book on wisdom to call the hearer to a decision. You want to walk this path? Down the path of wisdom and life? Will you hear and heed, or will you refuse 
it's really not first about getting and grasping the message. It's first about the message getting and grasping us. So Solomon, the wise sage, puts the ball in our court. The pitch is thrown, the volley's made. What will we do? It's a sobering message. And as sobering as it is, did you hear the good news that is held out in this passage? It really just comes in one verse. It's the last verse of the chapter. It comes as a contrast to verse 32 and 3. For the simple are killed by their turning away. The complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. She's saying, don't procrastinate. Procrastination kills. Complacency destroys. You know, complacency is kind of a counterfeit ease. It's a counterfeit sense of comfort for a while. It's a facade of comfort. But hearing and heeding the voice of wisdom brings secure dwelling. True sense of peace. That's the voice of God. This is the voice of Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. The voice of Christ. In some ways we could say that voice is dangerous. Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. Jesus said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. There is a danger about our Lord Jesus. And yet, there is an ease with him. Jesus, for those who submit themselves and call upon him, he is easier with those who come to him than we are with ourselves. My yoke, he says, is easy. My burden is light. So we hear those words, whoever listens to me will dwell secure. That word, whoever, that means the door is open. But then you have the words, listens to me. We know how hard that can be when listening and hearing means applying down at the level of the heart. True listening means personal change. That's the path of sanctification. And it often means looking foolish in the eyes of the world. Remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 3. If you think you are wise, you must become a fool to be truly wise. Because the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of man. Will we listen? Will we heed? What is your next step in obedience to Jesus Christ, to the words of our Lord Jesus. I think wisdom's calling here is, in many ways, a calling to be simply a child again. To open our lives, to open our heart to the wise words of our Heavenly Father, that He would have His way with us. That He, like a potter with clay, 
would break us down, mold and shape us into the image of his son. His word is good. His word is gracious. His word is life-giving. Let's pray together. Father, as we hear these sobering, challenging words, we know that you hold out the promise of security, of ease, the dispelling of fear or anxiety, that we might be at home with you. And yet, Lord, how dependent we are, utterly dependent upon your grace to pierce the hearts of your people, each of our hearts, that, that the hearing of your word would, would not only be as we hear a sermon or open the text of your word, but that that word would dwell within us in such a way that it's working in and through our lives and we're seeing your Holy Spirit sanctify us, change us and grow us. Lord, we thank you that our relationship to you is founded upon that foundation that that is much deeper and more secure than what we put out morally. And yet, Lord, as we come and stand upon that foundation, you give us the grace to continue to grow. Grow in love for you. Grow in obedience to you. And so open our hearts, Lord, and do that work, that, that work that goes beyond this very time as we entrust ourselves to you. All for the glory of Christ, for the strength of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.